Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Ross Quigley was one of those people in the community who made a huge difference. He never held public office or drew attention to himself. He toiled away behind the scenes making his contribution that profoundly impacted so many. Ross Quigley died last week. He was 77. His memorial was held this past Monday. Ross was a respected businessman and a volunteer. He worked for Coburg Public Utilities, what we now know as Lakefront Utilities. Eventually, he became the man in charge. He left and started a hardware business on 2nd Street. He also was president of the Downtown Business Improvement Area, or the DBIA, for five years. There was one thing that was consistent about Ross's life. He gave back to the community, whether it was preserving Ernie Outwin's Christmas display, or his time as president of the Rotary Club, or the creation of the Coburg Sports Hall of Fame. Whatever committee he sat on or cause he supported, Ross was a beacon that shone across the community. Today, Consider this, we'll begin with a tribute to Ross. You will hear excerpts from a 2018 interview about the Coburg Sports Hall of Fame. The interview was done by Dave Glover and myself back when Consider This was part of the drive time. This was a passion project for Ross. You can hear it in his voice. You will also hear some fantastic memories he shares about his childhood and many of the great encounters he had with local sports figures. Joining me in the studio is Ross Quigley, and uh, he is part of a group of folks here in the town to create, or, or you're working on a, pr- a proposal anyway, for a Coburg Sports Hall of Fame. And of course, Rob Washburn, it's after six on a Wednesday, listeners, when we ask you to consider this. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks very much, Dave. Very glad to have you here. Now, i got to ask you right off the top, um, when did the uh, who proposed the idea of a Sports Hall of Fame? How did that uh, sort of happen? Um, actually, uh, Sports Hall of fame has been uh, the concept has been tried a couple of times uh, in the last I'd say 25 years uh, uh, both without success but it's certainly been a a dream and an idea of mine for a long long time and uh, uh, in 2016 I got involved with the Sifton Cook Heritage Center Uh, they were uh, they ran a series called The History of Sports in Northumberland. Right. And I got involved, and what they ended up doing was writing about 50 stories of um, Northumberland athletes and also uh, the history of sports or um, facilities, that sort of thing. They did a, a complete mm-hmm. history of a lot of the things that have occurred here over the years. And um, from there, that, that was very successful, and, and uh, they did a great job on it, and they had a lot of support from the community. Um, from there, I was approached by Peter Delatti uh, for the Coburg Canada 150 Committee mm-hmm. uh, to head up the sports uh, activities. 
and what we that was really the opportunity that that got me thinking that this could be something uh, special and maybe it was time to revive the idea again. Well, you uh, mentioned you mentioned how they talked to you about other Northumberland uh, sporting things. That's the only way I can put it, listeners. Um, so, is this is this the idea then, just for a, a Coburg Sports Hall of Fame, or is it really sort of Coburg but encompassing all of Northumberland? It's Coburg and District Sports Hall okay. of Fame. Um, it's not all of Northumberland. It's Hamilton Township, Alnwick, Haldeman, Crammy, and of course the town of Coburg. So, uh, yeah, and the reason for that. Um, if you think about uh, anywhere from Butley over to Gore's Landing to Harwood to Alderville down to Grafton and Colburn, uh, back in the day, uh, in the 50s and so on and later, uh, those communities weren't big enough or didn't have the facilities to uh, have their own arenas at that time or uh, enough kids to make a league, but they had enough kids to to make a team. So a lot of them would come to Coburg and play in the church hockey league, as it was okay. called in those days, and Legion softball. And uh, in about 63, uh, I think some of them brought girls teams in to play with the uh, uh, the Coverdale Aces, and which later became the Coburg Angels. But mm, wow. uh, that's uh, that was the reason um, people from all of those areas came in and played in the town of Coburg in those days. Um, now, Ross, I know you're a, a great athlete when you were younger and, and were very involved in sports. When did you become interested in the historical side of it? I, I've always had, a, I think, a keen interest for it, but the Sifton Cook uh, experience really got me going and uh, as I started to say about the Coburg Canada 150 committee uh, when I sat down and talked with Peter Delante um, one of the things that uh, really impacted from the uh, Sifton Cook experience was the history of sports and so with uh, we ended up agreeing that um, with the Coburg Canada 150 committee sports committee we would try to identify as many organizations, events, competitions um, that had an impact on the area. Mm -hmm. And we ended up identifying 72 different sports organizations, events, or competitions uh, from the, over the years. And at this point in time, we've written over half the stories. Uh, we probably have another 15 in the works. Um, and these stories will always be open-ended. Um, and what I mean by that is that as we get into the Hall of Fame experience and start getting in scrapbooks and memorabilia from people, those stories will continue to grow. Uh, obviously, at this point, we don't have every newspaper article or, uh, you know, uh, trophy or whatever that uh, someone might have won back then. But certainly, uh, as these scrapbooks and uh, that sort of thing come in, we will grow the story. Now, what when you're going through and you find all these different things, what were the ones that surprised you the most that sort of caught you off guard? I mean, we all know hockey and soccer and baseball, but what about what about uh, the ones that surprised you? Um, I'm not sure that surprise is necessarily the word, Robert, but um, certainly some of the things that when we got talking about it uh, that impacted me were, for instance, the first world plowing match that was held in 1954 right behind the golden, what is now the Golden Plow Lodge. And if you look at the Karen out front, and you will see the, the, the Golden Plow on it, that is symbolic of that first world plowing match that was held in Coburg. 
Um, you can go on to um, the Grafton area. Dick and Ann Raymond who ran the Grafton Ball Tournament for 40 years. Uh, that was a place to be in July, a uh, weekend in July. Uh, I mean, they probably had up to 60 teams uh, participating in, in that weekend, and it went on for 40 years. Uh, um, the Rice Lake Oilers uh, uh, ran their, well, they started their hockey tournament in 1981. Uh, and back in those days, we had an arrangement with the arena, the Coburg Arena, because the floor under the old memorial, or pad one as we used to refer to it, the floor with the brine uh, in its pipes had deteriorated to the point where they were having problems. And so we put together that tournament and uh, we uh, had an arrangement where we would donate the funds from that to the floor building fund. And that went on from there. Uh, in the summer times, we were, ran the uh, Burnett's Lions Ball Tournament again, where we uh, donated funds from there. Once we got the floor in, we ended up doing all the flooring in the dressing rooms. But uh, there, there are so many um, sports out there. You, you, uh, one of the interesting ones, and you might enjoy this, is uh, we've done the history of pigeon racing. And when I grew up in Coburg, um, there were probably 15 or 20 guys in town that had pigeon coops, and they raced them. Uh, they would send them by train to possibly North Bay, Toronto, wherever, and um, and then they would be released there, and being homing pigeons, they would come back to their coop, and they would have a, a tag on their uh, little band on their leg. They would take that off, put it through a time machine, and the first guy back, uh, or the first person's pigeon uh, that came back, he won whatever the prize might be that day, whether they put in a buck a piece or, or whatever. But uh, it it started uh, a guy that's around Coburg, John Fox. He's affectionately known as Pot Fox, but. Um, Pot told me that pigeon racing started in 1935 in Coburg. He's been involved since 1943 and still is at present day. Pot's probably in his mid-80s, but he's more on the breeding side of the birds now. But again, another really neat Coburg story that uh, a lot of people wouldn't even be aware of. I was surprised to learn that we used to have very prestigious horse shows and competitions here in Coburg as well. Certainly back in the early 1900s, um, the Coburg Horse Show uh, was um, the Coburg Horse Show was uh, like a, a world-renowned event, certainly North American-renowned. Um, they, um, they brought people from all over the U.S. and so on. Uh, in fact, I was just reading something the other day that um, I think it was probably about 1907 or something that they had a gray, they had greyhound races in Donegan Park, which uh, uh, drew a crowd of 5,000 people. Um, in those days, um, Donegan Park uh, all had a half-mile track as well as a, a later on a quarter-mile track came, but uh, the almost the entire perimeter of what is now Donegan Park was a half-mile track, and it's where they had horse races, they had horse jumping, they had all kinds of uh, horse events that 
like I said, was really uh, world-renowned at that time. Well, when you talk, it's funny because when you talk about sports hall of fames, people automatically think baseball or football, maybe or even hockey immediately. But we don't think about pigeon racing. We don't think about some of these other great things that you've mentioned, which really it is sport. It, it's all about sport. The the one thing that you did mention though, and I want to I want to ask you about this because it impacts uh, or it, it has been impacted uh, locally by the loss of our local newspaper which of course is their archive and you obviously i mean you would rely on something like that to get information for a, a sports hall of fame were you able to get uh some of those archives before uh the papers went went away or how, how important has that been or that loss been to you guys uh at this point it hasn't impacted because um, um <clears throat> if you want to get old newspaper articles you can certainly still go to the library and and i have done a lot of microfiche work over the last few years right. uh, going through old newspapers and uh, and we were so fortunate for so many years, uh, particularly in the early 50s and, and onward, uh, to have Leighton Dodge here, who was, I would say, uh, I guess about the greatest compliment you could give Leighton would be that every small town in Canada should have had a Leighton Dodge. Um, he covered every sport uh, yeah. conceivable. Uh, I was a personal friend of Leighton's, but he and I would umpire uh, Legion softball games in Victoria Park on Friday night. Leighton would go from there to the bowling alley to catch all the stats up there. He was on our Legion ball executive. He was on the Church Hockey League executive, the Mercantile Hockey League executive, uh, the Coburg Town League executive. Mm -hmm. He just, uh, his whole life was dedicated to sport, and uh, we were incredibly lucky to have him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and as you say, every small town in on in the country should should have a Leighton Dodge. Now, uh, Ross, you know you you sound like the voice of knowledge. You and Leighton Dodge, obviously, uh, very close and 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 worked very close together, and obviously not on his sports reporting, but you seem to have uh, a serious breadth of knowledge when it comes to to this. What was it that sort of inspired you? Uh, I guess when I, I look back, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up virtually in Victoria Park. Um, uh, if you know where the post office is, the parking lot mm -hmm. directly across the road, there was a two-story house there, and, and uh, my parents uh, had half the house, and the Wamsley family had another old Coburg family had the other half of the house. So I virtually grew up in Victoria Park. Well, in the summertime in particular, um, the softball team in town was the Home Lake Indians. And they were sponsored by the Home Lake and the Kelly family. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of old Coburg names, uh, ballplayers, uh, played on that team. Uh, Sleep Dodd, uh, Rolly Campbell, Burke Clary, Dick Turpin, Leo O'Brien, Jack Bevan, uh, Scotty McSporn, uh, Bill and Bev Rawlings. They were all guys that... Uh, uh, and they practiced under the lights every Wednesday night. They played home games on Saturday night. Uh, it wasn't unusual to see 800 to 1,000 people every Saturday night in Victoria really? Park. Wow. And that was when Bobby Hall was pitching for uh, Belleville. Uh, he was from Point Anne, and they would play there quite often on Saturday nights, and you would have big, big crowds. But these guys all were my, I guess, growing up heroes, if you will. Uh, I was probably 10 years old, and I was the bat boy for the team. And... 
mom and dad would let me go down and uh, practice under the lights with them uh, because I was just a stone throw from the house. And mm-hmm. uh, and in those days, you didn't worry so much about, uh, you know, kids uh, being out at night as long as you knew where they were. So uh, that certainly got me interested. And I've played a lot of ball, a lot of hockey here over the years. Uh, I've been involved with the... Uh, the old church hockey league as a coach and referee and uh, I was president of Legion softball involved there for 15 years and so um, I have a good connection to the sporting community uh, and uh, have just enjoyed uh, sports all my life uh, and, and boxes and boxes of memorabilia yeah I, <laughs> like I said I uh, at the break I was saying that uh, I think they took 171 items out of my basement for the Sports Hall of Fame. Wow. And we got a like number from um, the Corelli family. And um, I don't think I consider myself a hoarder, but for some reason, (laughs) old sports memorabilia certainly uh, was an interest of mine. Can you share maybe some of the more unusual items that you you had? Um, I guess one of the neat ones uh, today, we take girls' <coughs> hockey for granted. I mean, we watch the Olympics and we see how far the sport has come, um, particularly here in Canada. Um, but uh, Bill Ryan, um, a good Coburg athlete over the years in several different sports, gave me a picture of a women's hockey team uh, from 1923. And uh, uh, the neat part was it had all the names on the back, including his grandmother, who was Una Bevan uh, at that time. But that was certainly a, a surprising one. Uh, uh, since then, um, not necessarily from my collection, but people that heard we were doing this project, we've come up with some, I think, just incredible items. We have a, a 1936 and a 1937 Cobra Galloping Ghost Jacket. Uh, we also have just, uh, in the last little while, through the Corelli family, got a, a 1948 and a 1950 uh, Cobra Galloping Ghost jacket. Um, they are significant because the Ghosts won Canadian football championships uh, in 1946, 48, and 50. And uh, to have that piece of history is, is really incredible. Every two years, it seems. It seems. Uh, the the galloping ghost. Just just so for our listeners, can you explain how, how it would be that they would win those Canadian championships? Because it was a very different league than the one we know now. Yeah, it, it was the old uh, Ontario Rugby Football Union. Um, the galloping ghosts uh, went from about 19 did go from 1935 to 1953. Uh, they didn't play during the war years, but in that period of time, they won eight provincial championships and three Canadian championships. Um, not unusual in those days, again, to have 5,000 people at the game. Um, they were considered the best dressed football team in Canada. Um, they were the first to wear aluminum cleats. Uh, they were sponsored by Edwards and Edwards, which was the local tannery here. And Bus Edwards, uh, who I came to know and enjoy uh, at Fish Camp for many years, uh, they were the sponsors. Uh, but the Ghosts uh, have to be Coburg's team, uh, just legendary in the, their accomplishments. Uh, a lot of old Coburg names uh, uh, played in those uh, those teams. Homer Seal, Holly Hoselton, Ken Medhurst, uh, Bill Jarvis from Port Hope. Uh, there, were, there were just so many um, good local people, Bernie Flesh. Uh, you know, there were so many good old Coburg mm-hmm. names that played with those teams, but obviously very, very accomplished and uh, 
and uh, first class in every way. I think uh, uh, I've just finished, which I think is a, an almost complete story of the Cobra Galloping Ghosts. It takes up uh, three binders. But we were able to um, get some stuff that was so neat. Uh, they had a reunion in 1958. Uh, they sent out letters, uh, type letters, to all the former players asking them. Um, we've got all the ones that were sent back, uh, signed, and if they couldn't attend, they wrote a letter. Uh, we've been able to, acquire, through the, again, through the Corelli family, Paul Corelli was just tremendous in saving this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then again in 1987, Coburg Centennial Year, I happened to chair the sporting events for that. and. Um, we encouraged Bus Edwards and Holly Hoselton and a couple of other guys to have another ghost reunion. And so uh, they had another reunion in 1987, and uh, we have, again, all of the, the stuff from that. The one thing that we're, we're looking for, um, and the Corelli girls remember it, in, I think it was the 58 reunion, they're talking about uh, at the banquet we will be showing uh, footage of our practices and some of our practices and games and if we could ever get a hold of that that would be the ultimate prize um, uh, another really a couple of neat items uh, a couple of weeks ago a uh, guy dropped by the house uh, a pewter beer stein with a glass bottom in it and the engraving on the front says um, Cobra Golf Club August 1907 which is, you know, where did that come from? And mm -hmm. he said, I've had this for years. It doesn't mean anything to me. Would it mean something to the Sports Hall of Fame? And I said, most definitely. And uh, and then just uh, last week, um, Karen Randall uh, dropped by a button. Uh, if you remember the big metal buttons that you would pin on your lapel, you know, uh, kiss me, I'm Irish, or whatever they mm -hmm. might say. Yeah. But this one happened to say, Coburg Golf Club, 1934 season, number 44, caddy. And when you think about it, back in those days, there were no hand carts or dr uh, driven carts of any kind. And so if you belonged to the Cobra Golf and Country Club uh, and you were playing Wednesday afternoon, you would phone out to the club and say, could I get a caddy today? And that would be summer jobs for the local kids. And uh, and so she said her dad was a caddy there and he was number 44. And she said she had always treasured this, but if it was going to some place that everybody can enjoy it, then that's where it belonged. And I, I think we have felt that sort of... Uh, <coughs> commitment from the community and the appreciation for the community that this stuff that we have should be shared. Well, you talk about the, the Coburg Galloping Ghosts as being uh, um, a Coburg football team, but also national championships. Um, uh, is there any of their memorabilia at the National Sports Hall of Fame? And are, is, is Coburg going to be competing with them to try and get some uh, some stuff for our Hall of Fame? No. Um, I mean, we our memorabilia will relate to Coburg athletes now. Okay. We've, we've had um, some people like Steve Smith, uh, you know, Justin Williams, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Gordy Brooks uh, that have played in the NHL and so on. And um, certainly, I think down the road, when we get our feet under us and uh, and so on, I think it would be likely that we might approach them and see if they would be willing to donate something in recognition of their growing up experience in, in our town, you know? Mm -hmm. and. Uh, 
but certainly all great athletes. But uh, the Sports Hall of Fame is will not be uh, dedicated to just very elite national athletes or Olympic athletes. We have a number of Olympic athletes that have come from this area. Uh, Albert Smoke, uh, Fred Simpson from Alderville, both Olympic runners back mm-hmm. in the early 1900s. Larry O'Connor and Art Ravensdale. Uh, Bill Griffith in 72, canoe kayaker. Uh, that's kind of a neat story. Bill's, I think, about a year younger than me, but he was there when the, um, the in Munich when they grabbed the plane with all the uh, Israeli athletes on it and so on. That it was neat to talk to Bill and uh, and get his story, but just that whole experience and uh, what it was like to go through that, mm-hmm. you know. So. Uh, so, but it's, um, I mean, we've had some outstanding ball players, hockey players, soccer players, basketball players that have all played locally for, for many, many years. And this will be aimed at them as, as well as any national athlete. Uh, those national athletes came up through the process. Well, it's great. You know, that, you know I mean, one of the things I really sort of admire about this this process and about this idea is that we're, we're talking about, you know, extolling the virtue of all sport. We're talking about not just the big stars, but even, you know, as you mentioned, new caddy number 44. You know what I mean? And and talking about, you know, people, your stories as a bat boy uh, for, those, for those teams, it really is a story not only about Coburg sport, really, but about growing up in Coburg. It's about being a part of a community. Because really, you know, prior to the, the advent of, of, of social media and, and whatever you want to call it now, electronic entertainment, sport really was something that kept communities together, right? I mean, you, you belong to the church league. You're, you you belong to the merchant league. So you, in some way or other, you belonged to an organization that was helping to keep the community whole and keeping the community strong. And one of the things that I'm starting to get a picture of from this Coburg Sports Hall of Fame is it's not just about sport. It's about that community and, and, and that wholesomeness of how sport keeps the community together. I, I think it always has. I think um, sport probably had a, a bigger impact in my day only because there were, weren't all these social media outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most uh, most families that I knew in those days, after supper, you got a boot in the rear end to get outside yeah. and, and play. And exactly. uh, uh, again, I can remember growing up basically in Victoria Park, uh, Roger Harp, uh, who was a guidance teacher at the, at the East Collegiate for many years. Roger lived uh, just down behind what is now the um, Y swimming pool down in Victoria Park and um, the old trailer park in those days um, it didn't uh, there weren't motorhomes there were tents and there were four or five cabins that people could rent in the trailer park and uh, in front of one of these cabins uh, was a low spot and in the winter time when it rained it filled up and then it froze and there was a street light overhead and Roger and I could go down there every night till nine o'clock and one of us put on a pair of old goalie pads and a, probably a ball glove and one would be Gordy Howe and one would be Harry Lumley and and we would take <laughs> shots in each other till nine o'clock at night and, and uh, you know uh, yeah. just have fun but um, no uh, sports uh, has had a huge impact on the lives of a lot a lot of people in this in this area and will continue to do so uh, 
I, I do get disappointed in seeing some of the um, numbers turning out for certain sports now mm-hmm. um, that, that used to be much larger. But I think, again, everything is cyclical, and, and I think there's uh, certainly a chance that that could come back as long as we have dedicated people that are still around those sports, you know. So, uh, But, yes, it's uh, a lot of friends have been made over the years. A lot of stories have been made, a lot of stories told, uh, retold. Uh, over the years, but uh, sport has been uh, has had a significant impact on Coburg and this area, and will continue to do so. and And we believe that uh, telling the story is is important. Uh, Absolutely, that's right. Passion and more today. We're talking about the passion of sport here in Coburg, and our guest is Ross Quigley. I, I can't thank you enough for being here. By the way, Ross, I mean just the the stories. I mean, this is a great thing about having a, a local sports hall of fame. You can go in there with family members and you can see you know maybe you can see grandpa's glove or you can see you know and and i'm going to go back to you know caddy number 44 and you can tell that story because you're looking at a pin thinking well what's this all about and then you realize it's it there's so much to it it's not just a piece of round metal it's it's actually somebody's story one of one of the neat things uh we've had uh some display cases donated to us and uh, we will be showing some of those in the coming months at the ccc and um, one of the things we've already discussed, we have uh, John Hayden on our committee. Uh, John is uh, from an old, old Coburg family, but he loves history and loves sports history. But he is offered to, when we say put that button out, he's going to write a little blurb about what that uh, really was about. You know, the fact that they didn't have golf carts in those days and, mm-hmm. and so on. So if you didn't want to carry your own clubs, and again, uh, I suppose back in those days for a whole bunch of Cobra kids, it was a good summer job. Uh, you were outside yeah. and you were, uh, and you learned some golf etiquette and, uh, you know, probably to keep your mouth shut when somebody was putting or whatever, but it was, uh, there were a lot of good experiences that probably came from that. Can you tell me uh, a little bit more about the, the committee itself and who's on the committee and who's, who's been working on it and where you're at? Okay, uh, um, Robert, we, we had our first meeting May 6, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at that time, we had Don Conway, John Evans, Mike Irwin, Richard Irvin, Lizzie Basinger, John Hayden, Gil Brockenier, Peter Harrison, and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, uh, uh, Richard Irvin has dropped off the committee. Um, Richard got us through uh, the legal side of our, our proposal, and uh, we were incorporated March 17, 2017. So this coming Saturday, we'll have been incorporated for a year. So uh, those people are all longtime Coburg people. Uh, they've been involved in the sporting community. I think after having worked with them so closely in the last year and a half or so, or almost two years, uh, come to know that they have a great love for history and, and in particular sports history. And uh, uh, something else we talked about before the show was um, the fact that um, we will have inductees down the road. Uh, we will, uh, there will, and actually it's kind of neat. I, I should throw in a little um, hands up or hats off to the Peterborough and District Sports Hall of Fame. Um, they have given us uh, copies of their constitution and bylaws and so on to use as a template for ours. Uh, they've been going since 1980 and uh, 
So they've seen most of the things that can come up that you don't expect will come up and so on. And they think that their document is pretty uh, complete. And after having worked on it, uh, I would agree with them. Where do you hope to uh, have the actual uh, Hall of Fame? I, I know you've mentioned the CCC for some initial stuff, but ultimately, where would you like to see it located and what would it look like in your mind? Um, and I'm not, I think we're premature at this point because I don't think everybody has the dream that I have, but uh, I would like to see it at the CCC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is where the community gets together for sporting events. Uh, I think there are a lot of reasons you go there. Uh, Peterborough, for instance, um, there's a strictly uh, done by volunteers, as, as ours will be, but they open up on Thursday evenings for the Pete's Games. Um, they open up in the summer for the Lakers lacrosse uh, games, and uh, they open Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings, 9 to 12, uh, just for a general public to go through. But uh, I would suggest if you're ever in Peterborough on a Tuesday or Thursday morning between 9 and 12, if you have an opportunity, drop in and see it. It is, to me, is they have set the bar so high, it is spectacular. They have... Uh, sweaters and uniforms going back to the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, and and Peterborough being a much bigger place than us, they they have a lot of athletes uh, that have played in the NHL, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, Olympic athletes and so on. Uh, but uh, yeah, they have they have been absolutely tremendous to us. Uh, and as I said, we will have inductees down the road. Um, we will certainly have. Uh, memorabilia down the road that we would like to display. Uh, I think what makes us different um, to anything we've seen so far, nobody has written the history of sport uh, about all the particular sports that were played in their particular town. And some of the stories will be more complete uh, than others, obviously. Uh, some are more popular uh, than others. But again, as I mentioned earlier, these stories are open-ended. And as, as we get more information around, we're prepared to go through all our stories uh, once a year and update them with any new information that's come in. I think, I agree with you, I think the CCC would be the location for it. Uh, it's a location that everybody already knows and it's already, there. I, I mean, I don't know if there's room enough for perhaps right now, but uh, I'm sure they could make room. Although it could expand to, to beyond the square footage, who knows? Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, we're, we're premature at this point to having our own building, but uh, certainly it's always been a dream of mine that we would uh, be able to display all the memorabilia, the stories, uh, um, the records of the inductees that uh, come in over the years. So. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that I think I should mention, probably, again, we got from Peterborough, but... Uh, we will have uh, an induction uh, selection committee, and they will be anonymous. Um, what Peterborough found was when they started out, they just had their executive board um, take all the applications that come in and made decisions from there. Well, what they found out over the years that if your brother didn't get in or your sister didn't get in or something, they were getting these rude phone calls. And nobody in a volunteer capacity needs needs that. So what they did was they formed an anonymous committee of Coburg knowledgeable sports people um, that uh, are anonymous to the community. They take all the applications, still go to the board. But the board passes them on to the committee. They have a liaison person. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the selection committee makes it, sends it back to the board for approval, who they who they've uh, proposed uh, to come in each year, and. Uh, it's broad-based. Obviously, you're trying to cover as many uh, areas of sport as you can, uh, male, female, uh, all that sort of thing. is mm-hmm. is It's broad-based, and, and we wanted to include as many sports and uh, athletes uh, uh, across the whole specter of the sporting scene uh, uh, to become inductees eventually. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily happen early on you know and there's a particular set of rules that go with this uh, you know how long you've played the number mm-hmm. of championship teams you may have played on uh, at what level you played and so on so uh, but it is uh, I think a fair process and I think it takes the heat off the the people selecting the inductees how are you uh, funding your initiative so far uh, we've been very fortunate in that the uh, Rotary Club of Coburg stepped up and became a, a, a founding sponsor for us, and they will be recognized forever as our founding sponsor, and they gave us $10,000, which gets us up and going with the new computer scanner. Uh, we're also working on some things at the moment. Uh, we uh, hopefully... At our next meeting, we'll come out with our new logo. Uh, we're in that stage. Hopefully, we'll have an RFQ for um, a website. Uh, so there are definitely, and obviously, one of the things that some of us older non-techie guys have come to realize is that social media is the way to go if you want to attract the, the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to come to the Sports Hall of Fame and enjoy uh, the interactions that hopefully we will be able to have with uh, them. Uh, but uh, So there are, are several things along uh, those lines that we're working on. Um, we uh, have... Uh, we're talking to a gentleman right now about um, building uh, four upright cabinets for us um, so that we can make a, a much more uh, prominent display at the CCC uh, for our memorabilia. And mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, working on design and costing for us, so certainly um, that will come into play. We've had uh, an organization and an anonymous donor come forward and say they would like to help with those cabinets. Uh, we have had um, some members of the community, business community, come forward and say we really like the idea of this Sports Hall of Fame. Are you a registered charity at this point? Can people make donations, or is, is that too soon? It's If somebody wanted to come and give us money, uh, we would certainly accept it. Sure. Uh, but we we haven't gone to the public phase yet, Dave. Uh, okay. uh, certainly down the road we will. Um, but uh, I'm just thinking in terms of tax receipts for donations. No, we're... No, we can't at this point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, certainly, um, yeah, we if people are wanting to help, we would certainly accept. Help. Now, if somebody's listening today and, and maybe they found something in the attic or they might have something that they think they'd like to donate, how can they do that? How can they connect with you guys? Uh, I think probably at this, we, we are going to have collection days. We, that's one thing we've already determined, uh, probably starting in June. Um, we may do it once a month and uh, and so on. But uh, if they have something uh, that they believe is significant, uh, please call me at home, uh, 905-372-6977, and uh, 
and certainly uh, we will go and get it and uh, and try and find out the history about it as well. Uh, it's it's nice to have that backup history. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for being here today, Ross, and, and, and thanks to everybody who's volunteering to help you get this off the ground. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more Consider This. That was a tribute to Ross Quigley, who passed away last week at the age of 77. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.